BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Maddie DeGarry was just 12 years old when her parents agreed to enroll her in Pfizer's COVID vaccine study for children. When Maddie became deathly ill, the family found out just how far Pfizer, the study officials, and the government would go to try to erase her from the public discussion. On Sunday, January 21st, 2024, a very important cover story on my TV program, Full Measure. I'll be reporting on the terrible saga suffered by young Maddie DeGarry. She and her two young brothers were volunteers at Cincinnati Children's Hospital in Pfizer's COVID vaccine study on children. She suffered debilitating illnesses right after her second shot. Her brothers got placebos. But her story isn't only about her awful health problems. It's also about what happened when she tried to get help for them and how her family learned Pfizer and the government, as well as the study doctors, apparently weren't interested in exploring what went wrong with Maddie, at least according to the family. They were more interested, says the family, in trying to say that Maddie's mysterious sudden illness had nothing to do with the experimental vaccine she'd just gotten. You have to ask yourself, if someone in a vaccine study gets sick, and instead of using it to inform about side effects, the government and drug company try to dismiss it, what good is having the study to unearth side effects in the first place? In today's podcast, my interview with Maddie's mother, Stephanie DeGarry, in Cincinnati. But would you first start by telling me what convinced you to put your children in the trial? So um, I, I'll be, I'm, a, I'm an honest, transparent person. I was one of those people that was scared um, with COVID. You know, my older parents, um, and a niece that was pregnant. Um, so we, and all my kids have been, that had all their vaccines. Um, I didn't think they had any problems with those vaccines, but like looking back now, um, there definitely were some problems. Um, but we had a friend, um, that actually worked for Cincinnati Children's and this is, um, I, I'd never revealed her name cause it's not her fault. Um, but she's well-educated. Um, her son is friends with my son, Lucas. Um, and she was in the clinical same clinical trial, but for adults. And I had seen her posts on Facebook, um, and she had had no issues. Um, and by the time we actually put the kids, allowed when the kids went into the trial, um, she had been unblinded and knew she got the vaccine, so she was fine. So in my mind, that was, you know, hey, it's safe. Um, but with that, whenever I saw her posting, I, I myself volunteered. Um, and got all the communication um, for the trial. And I didn't really pay attention to the details. So it, I got the communication, but they never set up an appointment. But I thought, okay, they just had too many people that wanted to help, you know, and volunteer. So they had too many people. Never thought anything of it. Looking back, like when I was searching through 
my emails, the one that I um, would have been signed up for would have been the AstraZeneca trial. So both the AstraZeneca trial and the Pfizer trial were being run by the same principal investigator at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Um, I'm assuming, I'm pretty sure they stopped that trial at Cincinnati Children's because um, I've never seen anything come out or him that ever vaccine, talk about it. That vaccine was not approved in the United right. States. Yeah. So I'm glad it wasn't put in it. But once again, I just, I didn't pay attention to the details, never thought anything of it. So fast forward, um, her son. Um, so she was in the trial and then her son, who is um, Lucas, at the time they would have been, let me think, I think he would have been 13. Um he was in the trial and he was talking to Lucas and all of his friends um, about how he's in this trial. So all of his friends, all of their whole friend group signed up for the trial. So Lucas asked if he could. Um, and we're like, okay, yeah. So she had forwarded the information. Gabe and Maddie heard us talking about it, said they wanted to do it too. And that's how they got in the trial. We did not ask them to be in the trial. So, But I, I was not worried because I had very well-educated friend that already had the vaccine and she was fine. What have you learned since then that would make you not say because your friend had it was fine, will be fine? What I've learned is they lie in trials. They do. Um, I also thought in the rare chance, you know, everybody can react differently to vaccines or medicine. Um, but in my mind, the way trials were, if anything were to happen, they would do everything they could to figure out why. And they would make sure that your child is okay. Otherwise, you know, who would want to say, hey, we're, my, you know, so, so-and-so's child was injured in a trial, like have that bad publicity. What I learned is that's not what they do. She got worse care than she would have if she wasn't in the trial. Um, and you get silenced. If you were to tell somebody what this is a story of, what's, what's something you might say? Um, it's a story of opening up my eyes, seeing things. I trusted the government. I trusted doctors. I trusted hospitals. Um, what I thought they were is not what they are. So can you tell me when she first suffered, what first happened, and then maybe summarize how bad it got instead of... All the, I'm sure there were many doctors in this, and all of that with me, we can summarize. So um, she was fine with her first, the first dose that she got. I mean, just typical reaction. Um, her second dose was January 20th um, of 2021, and that was my son's 16th birthday, literally the day. I have a picture of the three of them um, on that day. Um. That night in the middle of the night is when she had like her first stuff. That's when it all started. So less than it was maybe let's just say 12 hours after um, her second dose. What kinds of things did she wake up with or was she suffering? She just came in and asked if she could sleep in our bedroom, which was not normal. Um, she said, I don't feel right. Um, can I sleep in your room? Um, I was half awake or whatever. So she slept in between us. So very odd. Um and then in the morning, she ended up going to school just because she hates missing school because then you have to make up the work. So by the time she came home from school, um, she, my, my husband called me at work and said Maddie's having some sort of reaction. And it was, she had like what she described as electrical shocks going up and down her spine. 
Um, she said she felt like her rip, her heart was being um, ripped out. So uh, chest pain. She had severe abdominal pain. She was hunched over when she walked through the door. Um, her t- toes and her fingers were white, and they were like when you touched them, they were ice cold um, and painful. Like she was walking with her toes up, um, and the, the the severe abdominal pain, like hunched over. So. Did you think right away that this was probably a vaccine reaction? My yeah, 100%. There was nothing wrong with her prior to that. Um and and when my husband called me, he said Maddie's having, having some sort of reaction to the vaccine and he had already called the like there's a number they give you if anything is to, like happens. Um and he had called that and they were going to return his call. So by the time he called by the time I got home, they had called back. So over over how many months would you say went on as she was trying to get diagnosed and she was getting worse. Um, how long did that process go about? Um, I mean, she continued to get, I, I, I'd say she, so I would say she continued to get worse and maybe it like kind of plateaued out around after about three months, um, which is when she was admitted to the hospital for the third time. What kind of, response were you getting from the people working the study for Pfizer? Were they giving her the treatment and taking this seriously as a potential adverse event from the vaccine? Or what were they saying? No, they weren't. I mean, they were not very not involved um, from like our perspective. I know that the principal investigator, Dr. Robert Frank, talked to doctors and um, the kids would have their um, visits every three months, I think it was. Um, but we were the ones that were fighting to see doctors. They, the initial doctors that they had her see, um, were pain management, um, and psychology, psychologists. So you were being told more or less there was nothing really physically wrong with her. It was in her head or she was anxious. Basically, they were saying that she had anxiety and that was what was causing her symptoms. Have you heard that other people have been given similar things after they've had COVID vaccine, similar diagnoses? Yes. And every single child that I know that had a similar reaction to Maddie was told the same thing. So was she given psychiatric treatment or counseling for this? So... During her first hospital visit, like I said, you would think they would have like um, genetics in there, neurology, GI, because she had GI issues. You'd think they'd have all those doctors in there, but they had none of them. The only doctors that came in there were psychology, the psychiatrist, and um, pain management. And Maddie, we did what they told us. I mean, it's easy. It's, I'm, I'm embarrassed how much I was brainwashed and believed them. But when they say, hey, this is what's causing your daughter's symptoms, if you don't believe it and you don't, um, you're not part of the solution, then she's not going to get better. So I did it. She did cognitive behavioral therapy, which is seeing a psychologist. Um, and we have some of those sessions recorded. Um, and it didn't work. She was in the hospital for... A month and a half, should have been in there for two weeks to be treated for this psychiatric, um, you know, the anxiety causing her to not be able to feel her legs, having seizures, um, passing out, not being able to eat, not being able to swallow, vomiting, 
Um, this was all through anxiety, and we did it, and she did not get better. At what point did you think to yourself, I've tried what they said. I know my daughter's not suffering a psychological event. And how did you get other help? It was when she was in there. I mean, I always had in the back of my mind, I, I knew that it wasn't. But when your daughter's sick, and this is the only thing they're offering, I knew that if I didn't do this, that I wasn't going to be able to prove if it was the problem or not. And maybe I was wrong. Um, so when she was in her hospital stay in April, they treated her horribly. Like they treated her like a crazy person. Um, and at that point I knew, plus she wasn't getting better. We watched kids come in there that did have functional neurologic disorder. They would come in in two weeks. They would walk out. They weren't like her. The kids that had, there was a kid that had Guillain-Barre. I was like, her, that her symptoms are like his. Like, they're not like these other kids that are coming in. I don't understand. Um, and there were other kids that had other autoimmune issues. And Maddie was more like them than the kids that came in with FND. So at that point, I knew it wasn't that. Um, and they were refusing to give any other diagnosis for her to see any other doctors there at that point. Um, and that's when I um, met Bree through Facebook, and she connected us with the NIH. So Bree is a vaccine injury from an adult clinical mm -hmm. trial. And when you say she connected to the NIH, what happened then? So they were doing a study on a bunch of adults that had very similar issues to Maddie. And at that point, I'm like, okay, she, she doesn't have functional neurologic disorder, which is the anxiety thing. They, that's what they call it. Um, and so I did reach out to them. They responded and they said they, they couldn't have her come in because she was an adolescent, um, but that they would talk to her neurologist. So at that point, they discharged Maddie. Um, they tried to discharge her into the psych ward to Lunar Center of Hope is part of Cincinnati Children's. That was their next solution to put her in a psych ward. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At her worst, what was she suffering? What had happened to her? At her worst, which was right before she was admitted, we had to beg for her to be admitted in April. Literally, we had to beg. She could not walk. Um, she could not feel from the waist down. She wasn't peeing correctly. She could not swallow anything. She literally, it got to the point where she couldn't even swallow water. She needed fluids at a minimum. Her blood sugar was at like 49. Um, when we got there, she had tachycardia. Um, she, was, she was not in good shape. So that's when they put an NG tube in. And what is her, we'll go back again in a minute, but what is her status today? 
she's <clears throat> still in a wheelchair. Um, she still, she can swallow small, like small amounts of water and food, um, but it still has issues with her stomach. So I don't, we're seeing a new GI specialist. Um, she still can't feel, fr- she's getting more feeling back in her, um, like in her legs, it's like moving down. At one point, she couldn't even hold up her neck. Um, she can hold up her neck now, so she can sit up on her own. She can do transfers from like like with a transfer board. Um, but she still has an NG tube. She is a Broviac. Um, she's getting treatment now. We In July of 2022, she got a diagnosis, which is giving her the treatment now. So once she started this treatment, I guess, so that was July. She got treatment for probably four months and we started to see improvement. It sounds like you have the sense that government slash the drug company and study folks did not want to acknowledge this as a vaccine adverse event. No, they did not. And you feel they were not honest about not the reporting of her case. They left out a lot of information. They reported that she she's in a wheelchair. When the, when the report was done, you know, she could not hold up her neck. She um, can't feel from the waist down. She can't swallow, can't eat. They reported it as functional abdominal pain, so it's basically a stomach ache that you can't explain. Who and that she had that pins to, and needles. Who reported that to whom? Dr. Robert Frank, with the principal investigator at Cincinnati Children's, reported it to um, Pfizer and then Pfizer to the FDA. So in the report, the emergency... The EUA, the emergency oh, I forget what it's use authority. Yeah. Emergency use authority in, in the write up from the trial. That's how she was reported. So as far as you know, the government considers her what? That she has anxiety. For your family, obviously everything's changed. You people I think understand what it might be like to have a child go suffer through what she's been through and the but the whole family suffers. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how life is different now because of that? I mean, my husband and I have had to divide and conquer. Um, you, what we found early on is if we both, I mean, we're going to appointments. It was very hard to keep track of things. So one of us had to basically take the lead with her and one of us had to take the lead with the boys. So I took the lead with Maddie, which means that my boys don't see me much. I mean, I was the one that would stay with her in the hospital um, we moved to Portland, Oregon, for four months, and and no, I didn't see them. We didn't see them at all. I mean, we Facetime and things like that. Um, and when she was in the hospital, like it was COVID, so you could they couldn't even come visit their sister. You know what I mean? It just, I mean, and this is all happening. They already missed out on their life because of COVID, and then all this is happening during their high school year, like Maddie Junior High and their high school. So. That's a tough time for kids to begin with. Um, you add on top of that all of this that's happening, them not knowing what's happening with Maddie, it being controversial, um, constantly having to fight. I mean, it's it's been expensive. We've been fortunate in that, you know, people have donated money, but if anybody even knew what we spent on trying to get her better, um, it's not even close to what's been donated. We were luckily in very good financial shape. When this all happened, we had a lot of savings. We just were frugal. Like, so. 
Um, but, what would you like people to know about this for themselves? About what happened to Maddie? Or learn what what is important coming out of this that you think you would like it, people to know? It's much well. First of all, you can't trust the government or hospitals or doctors. Doctors only know what they're told. They don't do their own. They don't try to figure things out like you think. It's not like on TV shows. Um, but I think this is, I've learned that this is much bigger than just the COVID vaccine. There's a lot more going on that. And what is scary? Is there a, you said uh, Maddie's giving some feeling back and it's moving down. Do you think that she may recover and? be fine. I mean, I'm sure you're hoping that, but does, does it sound like that's a possibility? I do think she will. I always, I don't even know how to explain it. I've always, and I, I don't know if I did it to keep myself calm or what, but I and she feels the same way. We've always felt like she will get better. I, I will, did not think it would take this long. But so in July of 2022, we saw a neurologist that specializes in autoimmune um, reactions that cause neurologic problems. And she was diagnosed with chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. So basically, that's where your body attacks the your nerves, the myelin sheath. So, so it's the outer covering on it. So if you think about an electrical cord, it's not going to work unless it has that rubber coating on the outside. It won't work right. So it's what happened to our body, which makes sense to me. Like I said, um, it's basically, it's very similar to Guillain-Barre. So um, the treatment for that is IVIG, intravenous immunoglobin. Um, and she gets that every month. So because for two reasons, I've seen improvements since I hadn't seen improvement forever, like significant until she's you know, a couple months after she started that. I've also, you know, connected with other parents that, have had kids that, for different reasons, not from the COVID vaccine. One is a girl around Maddie's age, and hers was from the flu. I think it was the flu shot. Um, and another one was completely under. I actually work with this lady, which what are the odds that her son had the same thing happen? And they eventually did get better, but it took years. Is there something really important that you want to say that we didn't touch on? And she had other things that made her worse just from part part of the problem with this whole psychological diagnosis, which I can't get out of her chart. There's It's impossible to get second opinions because all the hospitals are connected. Um, but with that, she's had things that have made her worse, like at the MRI contrast, the gadolinium caught made her worse. I mean, I learned that apparently her body wasn't able to detox it. I don't know if it's because of the state she was in or what it was, but they just keep everything psychological. Um, she also, because she's fed through an NG tube, she was on the formula, was part of the recall um, with um, Simulac. Um, so she was doing Alicare Jr. is the name of it. And every single cam we had was part of the recall. She was hospitalized and treated horribly um and it it was all because of because of that like it, she had gastro like she had all kinds of abnormal tests and they just said she had a bowel obstruction it was not so like we're not able to get her care anywhere like it's very hard and there are doctors that know something is wrong but they won't 
admit it because they'll lose their jobs. There's doctors that will start off helping that probably didn't deal with anybody that was vaccine injured. And then all of a sudden, there's it changes. Pfizer, the study doctor, the National Institutes of Health, CDC, FDA, nobody would agree to speak with us about Maddie's case or even more generically about the safety of the COVID vaccine in children, what they're learning, what they're finding out from side effect reports. They wouldn't speak about any of that with us. Suffice to say, their position is that the COVID vaccines are safe and effective for children, although they would have to acknowledge that there are no long-term reports because the vaccines haven't been on the market long enough to know what the long-term side effects are. And there are certainly plenty of cases like Maddie's, some even worse, uh, some deaths, which we'll talk about on the Full Measure story on January 21st, reported as a result of or after COVID vaccinations, which the government either refuses to address or brushes off or says is simply a minimal risk that is outweighed by the supposed benefits of COVID vaccines, even though at the same time they acknowledge COVID vaccines don't prevent transmission or illness, and children in general carry little to zero risk of any serious health effects from getting COVID. To find out how to watch my full report on Full Measure Sunday, January 1st, you can go to CherylAckison.com, click the Full Measure tab for a list of stations and times, Or if you'd rather watch at your own convenience online, you can go to fullmeasure.news. We feed it live about 9.30, 9.31 a.m. on Sundays, Eastern Time. And we also post the program by about noon Eastern Time on Sunday, and you can watch replays anytime after that. That's at fullmeasure.news. If you're a believer in supporting independent journalism, you'll want to visit my store at cherylackison.com, click the Store tab, and check out products for independent thinkers with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes. Check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends, subscribe, and leave us a great review. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. <laughs>